Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comment section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. Up to this point in our message series about Job, uh, we've been looking at this righteous man who has experienced great difficulties and great turmoil in his life, extraordinary pain and suffering. He's experienced emotional pain. He's experienced mental and spiritual anguish. And we've heard him get counsel from two different uh, individuals or groups of people. The first counsel that Job received was from his wife. And his wife's counsel came from the point of shared grief. It was the counsel that comes when you're in, in such empathy and, and such pain along with the person who's going through the, the trial or hardship. And out of that came the, the counsel of self-justification. Job's wife said, listen, why honor God? Why keep your integrity? Just take life on your terms. Do what you want to do and don't honor God anymore. He's not blessing you. He's not showing you favor. And so Job's reply to his wife was, listen, bad advice. Uh, I'm going to keep my character and my faithfulness to God intact. Good counsel doesn't lead us away from God in times of trouble and hardship, but instead good counsel draws us and encourages us to move closer to God and go deeper with God in our times of trouble. Then it was his friends. Job had three friends and then another younger man who was there ready to provide counsel to Job. Their essential counsel to him or their, the, the, the summation of the counsel that he received was they said, listen, Job, when you do good things, good things come back to you. When you do bad things, you get punished for those. Now, this is a popular religious idea and it's not just religion in terms of Christianity. In fact, it's a popular idea throughout many religions. Uh, you send good karma into the universe and you get good back. You send out bad karma and bad things are going to happen to you. This is really too simplistic of an idea. It really eliminates or attempts to eliminate any mystery about God and how our relationship is with God. It ends up blaming people. And that's what Job's friends did to him. They blamed him instead of leaving room for mystery. Instead of saying, you know what, Job, we don't know why you're, being, uh, why you're going through such a hard time. They tried to simplify it and just say, Job, you must have done something wrong. And so good counsel doesn't remove mystery by blaming people. But instead, good counsel sits patiently with people sits quietly with people until God reveals what it is that's happening in that person's life and reveals more about the situation. Well, in this message, we're going to be looking at what the process is that Job goes through in this whole ordeal. What is his self-counsel? We've heard from his wife, his friends, but what does Job have to say to himself? How does he self-talk himself through this moment? There's so much turmoil going on inside of Job, again, in his mind and his emotions and his relationship with God. And it can seem like at different times reading through the book of Job, it seems like Job is lost. And in some ways he is. He's lost because life as he knew it is no longer. His understanding of God as he knew it is no longer. Job is going through a reorientation process with his life and his relationship with God. 
And truth be known, it's the same process that you and I have likely been going through or are currently going through or have gone through during this time with a global pandemic, with turmoil within the nation. Uh, there's many things that people seem lost about, confused. There doesn't seem to be uh, a rhyme or reason to life in this moment. Personal, national, global confusion that seems to be palpable when we're supposed to be thinking and feeling and, and doing things that we would normally do, it seems a little off kilter. There's a reorientation about life that we seem to be in the midst of. Well, Job shows us some great insights about life and how we can move from chaos and confusion and step into the new. So I would invite you to join with me in prayer as we prepare to look at Job's life and a couple other scriptures and gain some understanding about an reorientation process that takes place in our life in our, and in our relationship with God. Lord, we turn to you because there is confusion. Just like Job experienced confusion in his own life and didn't know what was going on that caused him to feel so many different things internally and even in his words that were spoken, his prayers that he expressed, Lord, we too have confusion. We too can find it difficult to find a rhythm or a pace to our life when things get so overturned and upset. And so we look to your word at this time. We, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us understanding about what's happening so that we truly can move from a place that feels chaotic and disorderly to a place where we can see what it is that's happening in our lives. And we thank you for being faithful to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go back to Job's first words. So as we go to the book of Job again, we turn to chapter one and we want to see Job's response to all of the chaos that happened in his life. Job has a response that is common when life gets turned upside down. So here's Job after he had lost his wealth and his kids. Job 1, 20 through 22. It says, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. We fast forward to the next great loss. So this is the first step that Job experienced, the loss of his wealth, loss of his kids. But we fast forward in the story to the next great loss. Job is afflicted with sores on his body and he's sitting in a pile of ash as he scrapes the sores with a piece of pottery. Job chapter two, verses nine through 10, it says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, as I said in the first message of this series, this is series, this is a great response from Job. He is having a, a just a very good, uh, even response. He's pulling from his history of a relationship with God. And so he's not speaking 
uh, angrily and crazy things about God or about what's happening. He just simply says, hey, I'm going to take life as it comes to me, and I'm not going to charge God with, with evil. So it says he does not sin. He doesn't lash out at God. He doesn't take matters into his own hands. But let's be real about this moment. This is a man who just took two left hooks and now an uppercut to his life. He is completely decimated, completely confused. He is sitting in the, on the ground in a pile of ash. And he's not just there for a couple of hours. In fact, Job's friends approach him and he's still sitting there. And after they get to him, they sit there for seven more days. So again, let's be clear. This is not what Job was expecting. Where he's sitting in this pile of ash, this is completely foreign to him. He was blessed. He was experiencing family life. He was experiencing great wealth. And so here he is, and he is completely disoriented about this life. He is left shaking his head in confusion and anger and sadness and like waves that swell and then subside. One feeling after another comes over him as he thinks about what's happened in his life. I don't think I can fathom it. I don't think very many of us could just sitting there, what would be going through Job's mind, seven days sitting in a pile of ash, wondering how he got there. One thing after another comes over his emotions, comes over his thinking. Now again, hear this, Job said and did the right things. But one thing I know about myself and human nature in general is that usually in moments of great distress, when life gets disoriented about us, the things that come out of our mouths is one part conviction and one part confusion. <laughs> it's not all conviction that Job feels about God. Part of it is, I don't know what else to say. I'm just going to say what I know to say in that moment. Have you ever been at that point? where all you can repeat is, it's okay, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. It really is gonna be okay. <laughs> You're not convinced of it, but you have to say something in the midst of the confusion that kind of helps self-soothe you through the moment. Here's Job, God is still good, I know God is good, God is just, God is good, God is just, God is good, God is just. I don't know what's going on in my life, God is good, God is just. Life isn't over yet. This isn't the end. There's still something yet to come. Do you hear the mantra, just kind of the repeating of the things that you know to be true in that moment? Part of it is conviction. Part of it is confusion. And you're working at convincing yourself in as much as you're making a declaration of what you know to be true. How many times have those words or something similar come out of your mouth over the past seven months? We're okay. We're okay. This is all okay. It's going to end soon. God is working in the midst of this. God means good for this. It's going to be all right. We just wait. If next month, it'll be different, right? How many times have you said it and you said it with conviction? And how many times did you say it hoping to convince yourself that what you're saying is true? You can hold on to it. You won't lose hope. It's going to be okay. Next month will be better. And if not the past seven months that you've been saying this, maybe there's been another time in your life when you just throw up your hands and you just say, forget it. I just don't know what's going on anymore. This is really what's happening to Job. 
And it's happened to us in these types of moments. We become so disoriented to life and what's coming at us that often we just don't know what's happening. And along with it, married to this, part of this, is we become disoriented about what is God's role in all of this? What is God doing in the midst of my disorientation? When life seems to not work the way it was before, where is God? What does he have to say about it? This is exactly what's happening to Job. We thought we knew how to keep life going. Job thought he knew the pattern for keeping life going. We thought we were being good. We thought we were treating others fairly. We were being generous, uh, maybe even attending church services and giving God a little extra or just generally living life in a way that made sense to us. And then, bam, out of the blue. For us, recently it's been a global pandemic. It's been unrest throughout our nation. But maybe for you it's been the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, a foreclosure, a marriage that's in constant strife, or maybe divorce has been the outcome a roommate or friend who no longer has time for you and you feel alone all of a sudden, this disorientation towards your life that it's no longer working the way that it was before. I'm not talking about the lighthearted, oh, bummer type of thing that because Chick-fil-A has been remodeling, they've been closed, and so now I can't go to my go-to eating place. It's much deeper than that. I'm talking about the, the type of life change that has you reeling in a way that you're not really sure how to put the pieces back together. Here's the thing about disorientation. If you're going through some type of life disorientation, even now, what you're going through, the tendency that each of us has and the things that we tend to say is it can get back to normal. If we can just get it back to normal. Do you suppose that's the thing that Job was saying about his life? That's the self-talk he was speaking to himself. It's going to be okay. It's gonna, I don't know how, but God's going to work something good out of this. It's going to be okay. Some way life is going to get back to what it was. All we keep saying is that we want to go back to how it was. We want to know how to fix what went wrong so we could go back to the way things were. This is the counsel we give ourselves when life is not making sense. It's our responses to disorientation. And here's a couple of them, uh, four of them that I want to share with you of how we tend to respond just within ourselves to disorientation. One is denial. <laughs> we, we just sit there and say, it's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. Uh, this week, it's not fine. Next week, it'll be fine. None of this matters. It's all fine. There's nothing really happening after all. Uh, it's, it's just a little blip in the road. It's the sense of denial that nothing really even is happening. And we just hope that if we deny it long enough, things will go back to the way they were. Another common response is withdraw. You find people who, because life is not in its typical flow and pattern, they just can't deal with disruption and the disorientation that's come. And so they completely withdraw, no longer engaging in the things, any of the things that they used to do. 
They withdraw to the mountains. They no longer engage with friends or in their church community. They withdraw to their work and they just bury themselves in work. They withdraw with just family time, us four, no more. The rest of the world can pass away. We're just withdrawing from life as we once knew it. This is a common response. The world is no longer safe. I don't want to engage or be a part of it. There are those who complain. (laughs) I think of Willy Wonka and the girl who wanted the Oompa Loompa now. And that's some people, they're very much adults, but they throw temper tantrums. I don't like this, a stomp of the foot. I don't want it to be like this anymore. It's all their fault. I don't like what the pastor's doing. I don't like what the politician's doing. Complaint after complaint after complaint. This dissatisfaction, and I want it to stop now, a demanding spirit. The fourth response to disorientation is depression. We can almost see this with Job. Seven days sitting in the ash. You wonder if he's going to get up out and rebound in life or whether he's going to be stuck there. Oftentimes people don't. Maybe you've been there before. This is bad and it's always going to be bad. There's no way this can get better. I'm so far down the hole now that life can never recover. I'll never get back to where life was. And so a depression sits in, a deep sadness that never seems to shake. Even in new moments, new experiences, there is this heaviness of, I just wish it could be back the way it was. These four are very common responses to a disorientation when we experience chaos and confusion in the midst of life and the responses that we have with God as well. But this is not, let me be clear, this is not God's desired outcome for you. These four responses are common, but it's not God's response to when there's chaos and confusion. Our pressing desire is to get things back the way that they were before the crisis. We want to get it back before everything kind of blew up on us. But that's not God's desire for you. That's not God's desire for me. (laughs) How do I know? How do I know this? How do I know God doesn't want to just put you back to where things were at before? Because God is consistent that he doesn't take us through the desert to bring us back around to Egypt. He goes through deserts to get us to promised lands. This disorientation in your life isn't to get you back to what you had. It is to take you into a new place and a new season with God. It's to move you toward what is still ahead for you. Now, some of you may be saying, but but God didn't do all of this. This is disease. This is a political ploy, some would say. This is all things that are happening in the world. Absolutely, there's things that are happening in the world. But do you think for a moment that God is just waiting on the sidelines for all of this to pass so that he can once again move in your life? Please, I would hope we're not that silly. God is not a sideline. God is not thumbing over him, his fingers and, and twiddling and, and concerned in his mind. Oh, when can I start working in people's lives again? Absolutely not. God is actively working in the world, in the lives of those who seek him and who are attuned to what he wants to accomplish. 
So in the midst of all of this disorientation, God does not want to take you or myself or his church. He does not want to take us back to the way things were. He wants to lead us into the new. In the time of Habakkuk, the prophet, God spoke these words regarding how he was going to change the hearts of his people. Instead of renewal from within Israel, God says that he was going to bring renewal by bringing them into captivity. Habakkuk 1, 5 through 6. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. Wait, if I'm reading this right, if we're looking at this, God is raising up the Chaldeans to bring reformation in his people. In other words, God is telling Habakkuk, I'm going to disorient your life so that you can be ready for what I'm about to do. God is going to overturn and, and cause upheaval in their life using somebody who he had never used before to disorient their life so he could do something new. Again, with the prophet Isaiah, God says this, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God's instruction here is, is he says, listen, don't make your point of reference for what I'm doing. Don't make your point of reference five years ago or 50 years ago. Instead, listen, I'm doing something new now. I'm do in the midst of all this disorientation in your life, do you perceive it? I'm doing something new now. If we look at the life of Job, we see him in total disorientation. And he's not really sure what's going on. He's confused about his life. He's confused about how God is working. And next week, we're going to see that Job needed a whole new mindset, a whole new schema for what he thought about God and what God was doing in his life. He couldn't perceive it. He, he had only known God in this way, in a certain way, up to that point in his life. And he needed God to disorient his life for him to have a new picture of who God was. Just two weeks before his calamity, Job knew God in a particular way. It's not that he didn't know God. He knew him. He just didn't know God fully. But after all of the calamity, Job is seeing a revelation, an unveiling of who God is in a way that he never had before. He's going to embrace the truth, a larger truth, a more clear picture of who God is after this difficulty. Earlier, we looked at responses to disorientation that are not helpful, the four responses I mentioned. So let's look again through a lens of good counsel, and we can look at the counsel that we should give ourselves in the midst of chaos and confusion. The first is disorientation. We need to understand this. Disorientation is your pathway to a new way with God. So can you, for this moment, just say, I don't want to go back nine months ago. I don't want to go back to life last year because disorientation is my pathway to a new way with God. And if I miss that, if you miss that, 
then we neither get yesterday or last year's blessing and experience, and we also miss out on today's blessing and experience and life with God. So this disorientation that you're feeling because of a global pandemic, because of unrest within the nation, because your work has shifted or changed, because schooling is different for your kids, is it difficult? Is it challenging? Is it, is it uh, saddening to us? Yeah, in many ways, so many ways we could answer yes to all of those things. But please hear me, don't wish to go back because what's back, there's nothing for you there. What God has for you is present with you now and it's your future that you're walking into with him. Don't stay stuck in today longing for what was in the past when things seem to make more sense to you. Instead, recognize that in this moment of disorientation, a new way is here. A new pathway with God is before you. Can you perceive it? Can we grasp it? Can we walk with God in that? So the last thing I want to say about this is that good self-counsel, so again, Job received counsel from his wife, his friends, good self-counsel appreciates the past for what it was, but acknowledges that God is doing something new. Listen, even if you could throw football over the mountains back when you were in high school, that doesn't address what you need for life right now. Even though you experienced spiritual renewal years ago, that's not what you need and that's not what God's doing in your life right now. Appreciate it? Yes, you should appreciate the past. Be thankful for what happened in the past, but don't hold on to it as your frame for what God is doing in your life right now because he's not. He's doing something new. So we can appreciate it, but we don't have to hold on to it. We don't need, I don't need, the church does not need 1920s Pentecostal movement today. 1920s Pentecostal movement was for 1920s. We need a new move of God. We need fresh fire. We don't need the Jesus movement of the 1960s and 1970s today. It doesn't work today. It was for the 1960s and 1970s. We need a new move of God. We don't need the religious right of the 1980s or 1990s. We need a new garment of righteousness of the people of God that fits today. Please hear me in this church. Don't go back. It's gone. It's behind you. Egypt is in the past. The promised land is before us. In this moment of desolation, this moment of disorientation, the longing can be, oh, if we could only go back to Egypt where there was onions, where we were fed on a regular basis. Please, please, let's learn from our brothers and sisters in Israel and say, let's go forward with God in this moment. He is doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? Can you take hold of it? Let's not try and pull the 80s and 90s up to 2020 or 2021. Let's say, God, you're doing a new thing. Help me perceive it and help me to join you in it. Listen, I love my wedding day. I look back with such wonderful memories of my wedding day. I love the relationship that I have with my wife even more now, 30 years later. I look back and I appreciate and I have such fondness for that special wedding day but I love my marriage of 30 years even more. I love my day of salvation with Jesus Christ as I look back upon that day, but I love my savior. I love Jesus more today than I ever have. And I know that he's doing something new and I perceive that he's doing something new in my life today. 
it's not just me. It's not just in my life he's doing something new. He's doing something new in you. He's doing something new in his church. He's doing something new in this world. Do you perceive it? Can you allow yourself to appreciate the past, but be willing to say, I don't want to go back. God has something new for me today and in the coming days that I want to perceive it and I want to take hold of it because it's the way forward with him instead of the way back to the way things were. I want to pray for our ability to do it. It's a challenge, but this is what Job needed. And we're going to see this next message. That's exactly what God did for him, gave him a new lens through which to see his life. And he led him into a new season of life. May it be true of you and may it be true of myself as well. He's doing a new thing. Lord, help us to be more excited about what's happening today and tomorrow instead of longing for what was just seven months ago. Lord, help us not hold on to the past, but to appreciate it, but be more excited about what's happening next. Lord, as we think about the ways that you've moved in 1920s Pentecost, in the 60s and 70s Jesus movement, as you work through different people through the 80s and 90s, Lord, we appreciate that, but we also say that's done. It's a new season and you have something new. So help us, God, please help us not to take those frames and try to wrap today in that paper or through that, through that view, but help us to embrace a new perspective of who you are and what you're doing in this moment. Lord, I ask your encouragement, your, your, your strength, and, and just your persevering spirit to come upon people who are listening to this message today, that they would rise up with a fire in their bones to serve you and a passion to pursue you and a vision to see you in the moment to not be backward looking and longing for the days gone by, but to be forward looking and to see you at working and, and healing and restoring and that your kingdom is come and it's affecting lives even now. We thank you for it, Jesus, that you're, you're the God of today, not just the God of yesterday. You're the God of tomorrow, not just the God of what was. And so we see you through that perspective. We perceive a new thing and we want to be a part of it. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go in the spirit and perceive the new thing that God is doing in your life and take hold of it. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.